G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we edge closer to the end of another year, it might be a good time to focus on some of those issues that may have become obscured while the headlines have been dominated by issues like the same-sex marriage debate or those internal controversies in the government like the citizenship crisis. So issues like Australia's population and our immigration intake or the decline in awareness of morality that may be fueling even greater levels of things like sexual promiscuity or easy divorce or the increase in sexually transmitted infections. Well, there's also the idea of the loss of a moral compass and how that might influence our democracy. You've got the rise of cultural Marxism and what that might mean to a divide between those who are secular thinking and those who acknowledge the presence and the purposes of God. Well, there are multicultural dimensions that are rarely explored with any depth, especially when there is an increasing tendency for people to get their news from social media. Well, there are certainly big changes, and I want to invite you to join in our conversation. Our talkback line is open, and you can help direct where we'll go. With all those things I've just mentioned, I doubt whether we'll get through all of them. But you might have your own insights to offer. And to take questions and to offer her insights, it's wonderful, as always, to welcome Babette Francis, who's a founding member of Endeavour Forum. Babette is considered an expert on the women's movement at an international level. Babette is a senior fellow in social policy at Macroeconomics. She's also a vice president of the Family Council of Victoria and vice president of the Drug Advisory Council of Australia. And always a special time to welcome back Babette Francis. Hello, Babette. Thank you for having me on your program, Neil. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, Babette, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to be able to offer some insights for us today. And when we came to uh, the topic that we'd talk about, some of these big issues that are avoided or have become obscured by internal government controversies or the media and its own agendas, uh, what were your thoughts when we said, uh, let's talk about some of these big issues that aren't getting much attention? Well, I'm deeply concerned about the euphoria in Parliament about the uh, same-sex legislation bill being passed. That only affects a very tiny minority of a minority. Not all same-sex couples want to get married. But there was absolutely no um, policy development or consideration of ordinary families who are struggling with, uh, in particular with their electricity and gas bills. And uh, there was nothing for um, uh, um, um, family members who've got more than three or four children and where uh, clearly the um, mother can't be in uh, or both parents can't be in full-time paid work. There's no consideration about issues like income splitting for tax purposes for them 
or any uh, extra grants for families uh, with a large number of children. And this is particularly significant because uh, Australia's um, birth rate is below replacement level, and we have to import workers to fill uh, the requirements for uh, various jobs. And that's not necessarily a good thing because the workers we import may not be always compatible with the Australian way of life. And in any case, it's much better to have uh, Australian-born workers. Now, why isn't anyone in Parliament paying attention to the fact that our birth rate is below replacement level? And you know the saying, nature abhors a vacuum. When there's a vacuum, uh, something will rush in and it may not be always desirable. I wish there'd been some consideration to that with all the uh, cheering and clapping and carrying on about the same-sex bill being passed. And it's interesting, when you're reflecting all of those issues, and some of them sound a little bit mundane, uh, some of them don't sound exciting, and there is a thought that went through my mind as you were uh, expressing some of those, even the idea of our question time, which is the most lively hour of the day for our federal politicians, uh, that's when they talk about the exciting stuff and they're trying to be interesting and exciting about the controversial issues that they're facing. But all of these other mundane issues, they're not on the front page of the papers, they're not on the headlines in the six o'clock news, Uh, They're buried somewhere in the back, but they are no less important. Uh, How do you think about how these these issues are actually important, but somehow or other, because the media is not necessarily thinking that they are important, that somehow or other they're getting lost? I think it's particularly in connection with uh, the paying of the power bills. I know families who are, especially older couples on maybe self-funded retirees or on a pension and in the winter they were struggling to pay their power bills they were sitting and watching television with wrapped up in blankets and so on well no one should have to live like that in australia and uh, which is a relatively well-off country and in summer they will be sweltering in the in the heat of our uh, ordinary hot summers and they won't be able to afford to turn on air conditioning. That's if they're lucky enough to have air conditioning or even pay the electricity bill for a fan constantly running. And I think it is these people, I wish the politicians would pay some attention to the struggle ordinary families are having with their power bills. I know this from my own members. They are really struggling. And what is the government doing about the the, 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 the power bills, which, uh, you know, with this commitment to climate change and renewable energy, which is just a subsidized renewable energy, which is just pushing up costs for everybody without producing that much real energy. Uh, The government doesn't seem to be doing anything about that or caring about that. I wish they'd cheer about, uh, you know, some major reduction in the power bills for everybody. Give us all a Christmas present and say uh, they're going to, you know, reduce our power bills by 10% or something as a Christmas gift. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be wonderful. And look, it's not as though those things haven't at some points made the headlines, but because they have been overshadowed by the big debate over same-sex marriage uh, or by the whole uh, issue to do with uh, citizenship, uh, that somehow or other they haven't appeared to be important. Of course, the image of the parliament the image of those who are governing, those politicians, uh, is that somehow or other they are avoiding these. When we talk about the big issues that are being avoided, I wonder if they are being avoided or if it's just the appearance 
that they are being avoided because other issues seem to have crowded them out in the in the popular media. What are your thoughts on whether they oh, actually well, have I, been avoided? I agree with you. I don't think they've developed any rational policy on how to uh, reduce our power bills. Um, they've sort of made some kind of, exerted some kind of pressure on AGL, I gather, but that's about all. The reality is not appearing in the in the bills that we get. And uh, I, I, I really resent this focus on a, a minority of a minority of um, homosexual couples who want to get married and ignoring the vast majority of Australian, both taxpayers and pensioners, who are struggling with the costs of daily living. You know, we're approaching Christmas and many of these um, couples or families really can't afford uh, much of a celebration at Christmas because they're overburdened with all the uh, the, the uh, bills for electricity and everything else that they're getting at this time of the year. I know I'm horrified, so I, I can't. Um, and I'm on a you know a modest, a, a good income. Uh, I don't know how, what sort of Christmas all these families who are struggling are going to have, and many of them have got uh, three or four little children and uh, who will be eagerly looking forward to Santa coming, but. Uh, uh, Santa may not come, may not be able to afford to come. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about, uh, perhaps very briefly, a number of the biggest issues that appear to be being avoided at the present time. I mentioned some of those in my introduction uh, when we talk about Australia's population. I mean, Dick Smith was in the headlines a little while back uh, and he was making all sorts of noises about uh, immigration intake and uh, time to draw a line, he was saying, but there wasn't a lot of debate that was going on. There wasn't two sides necessarily presented on that whole issue. Uh, we might get a, a little bit of opportunity to talk about that. I know that immigration is one of your uh, your uh, favourite topics to talk about as well. Uh, how do you see Australia's population uh, in relation to where we are here in 2017, Babette? Well, clearly we do need immigration of some kind because, as I said, our birth rate is below replacement level. Um, uh, and I think because Christians in the Middle East and Pakistan are being persecuted so mercilessly, I think we should give priority in our immigration uh, policy to um, uh, Christian refugees or Christian suffering persecution. I know that sounds like discrimination on the basis of religion, but I, I think because Christians are the, the persecuted group in uh, the Middle East and in Pakistan, that uh, we should give them, we are entitled to give them preference in our immigration intake. And, intake. and also, they will integrate um, very easily into Australian society because ours is basically still residually a Christian-based society. They won't create the possible problems with, let's say, uh, Muslim immigration creates where the problem may not be with the, the parents who come here as refugees, but it often occurs in, among their children, the next generation who are radicalized, because Islam does not allow them to integrate in a healthy, healthy way with Australian society. It has too many restrictions. So the children of Muslim immigrants are the ones who become radicalized and become terrorists or recruits for ISIS or Al-Qaeda or what have you. All right, there's lots to talk about there. Listeners might have their own insights. We'll take some calls shortly. Let's talk about another one of these big issues that appears to be hidden and avoided, and that is with the issues of morality. Now, as Christian believers, we have an idea of morality, but as there is a large swathe of Australians who've moved away from that Christian anchor, 
in morality. Uh, morality is changing dramatically and uh, it's affecting all sorts of areas of our society. Your thoughts in general, and we can we can enlarge on this as we go in the conversation, but your, your thoughts in general about the changes in morality, Babette? Uh, I think it's very sad that um, morality, especially in the area of sexuality, sexual relationships, has been weakened. And I think how we should present it to a, a largely secular society is that morality is connected with good physical health. There is no doubt that promiscuity in sexual relationships leads not only to um, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, but also to uh, psychological mental health issues. Uh, morality is directly related to good physical and mental health. And uh, I would like to see programs about that um, uh, recommended for not only school children, but university students and the general population. This would be much better than some of the dreadful programs uh, like safe schools programs, which uh, have absolutely little or no moral base whatsoever. Well, uh, listeners might like to contribute to this part of our conversation. Uh, there's no doubt that we are in the middle of a sexual revolution. Uh, what does that mean for morality, uh, for promiscuity, for the level of sexually transmitted infections? Uh, you might like to have your say on that. Let's talk also about issues of the changing culture. Uh, we touched on just briefly the imbalance of minority rights, uh, but this loss of moral compass that also is connected to this changing culture, Babette? Um, yes, I'm not a fan of this promotion of multiculturalism. And, uh, you, you know, it's, it's quite amusing. Uh, I made a submission to the, uh, what was it, some inquiry into multiculturalism, and uh, my uh, submission was rejected because I had a, a, opposed the promotion of multiculturalism by people who really don't know what it means because I was born in India and lived there for 23 years before I uh, went to the UK and then to Australia. And India is about the most multicultural uh, country in the world. You've got, I don't know how many, uh, 150 languages, uh, every religion you can imagine, and some you never even uh, heard of. And there are a lot of um, just plain evil aspects of some religions. You know, for example, uh, sati, the burning of widows on the funeral pyres of their husband, which was a feature of the uh, Hindu religion until the British, um, who took control of India, stopped the practice. You know, there's polygamy in Islam, which is degrading to women. You know, uh, what are our multiculturalists doing just promoting multiculturalism blindly without identifying the uh, problems, the, the serious, um, almost criminal problems in some multicultures. Okay, well, uh, listeners might like to contribute to that as well because multiculturalism and the trajectory that we might have in Australia uh, may be leading us into all sorts of challenges that we hadn't anticipated. You might like to be a part of that conversation. Uh, when we talk about uh, political literacy, uh, the idea that people actually tend to get their news these days from social media rather than looking a little bit deeper into some of the issues perhaps is fueling the rise of what we call sometimes cultural Marxism. Uh, these sorts of political ideologies seem to be taking hold, but people don't necessarily know what they believe. They just feel like what they believe is right. Uh, what are your thoughts on political literacy in Australia? 
Um, I, I find it rather amusing that almost everything that is worthwhile or healthy or good for a particular project is labeled as right wing and a sort of conspiracy by the by white men, white heterosexual men on, on whoever. For example, the, uh, this is really not related to any cultural thing, but just a practical way of teaching children to read the phonics method. Someone has actually labeled that, uh, but that's much more effective than the Luxe method where children are just taught to guess at words or guess at letters by the look of them or memorize them by the look of them rather than the phonics method of sounding them out. Now, phonics has been found to be most effective in teaching reading, but uh, some uh, left-wing activists have labeled this a uh, right-wing conspiracy, a uh, uh, white male heterosexual plot against the whatever, you know, against the left. It's absolutely crazy. Anything sort of effective, moral, that produces uh, good health, good morals, good results, that protects you from sexually transmitted diseases is labeled as a, as a sort of conspiracy against, the dis- in quotes, the disadvantaged and minorities. And actually, some of these policies protect the disadvantaged and protect minorities. For example, I've heard recently that there's some new dangerous um, uh, sexually transmitted disease in the Northern Territory caused by deep kissing, whatever that, is, that means. And it, it, I think it's with, they said meningococcal or some disease like that, which can be quite serious, can be fatal. Now, that wouldn't be... Um, transmitted if the couples were faithful to each other and were not promiscuous. It's when you get the promiscuity coupled by um, by sort of facile sexual relationships that you get all these dangers. And nobody is talking about them. You know, it's it's just absurd. The, the Northern Territory has enough problems with uh, um, alcoholism and the breakdown of the um, indigenous uh, families and the violence there without having a new sexually transmitted disease appear on the horizon. And all of this, some people will say, comes under the heading of political correctness, what you can and you can't talk about. And there are, therefore, thought police who are ready to cut you down if you actually stand for something that might be good morally or righteous. Your thoughts on on that idea? Well, it's interesting you use the term politically correct. Now, there are categories of politically correctness White heterosexual men, which I assume you are, can never be yep. politically correct. You know, you're, you're beyond the pale, as it were. Excuse the pun. Yep. <laughs> I think two of the boxes were being politically correct because I'm female and I'm what they call a person of color. So I tick two of those boxes. But then I'm conservative and pro-life and pro-family and pro-judicial marriage. So I'm back in the rubbish bin. <laughs> and uh, perhaps if we were on mainstream media today, we wouldn't be talking to you, Babette Francis. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I'm glad we are talking to you, and I do want to open our talkback lines. I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking about the big issues that appear to be avoided by politicians and by mainstream media. You can be part of our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Babette Francis, our guest, founding member of the Endeavour Forum. We are taking calls. Babette, let's take a call, first of all, from Philip in Western Australia. Hello, Philip. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Uh, How are you going? Very well, Philip. What are your thoughts today? Yeah, look, I'm just thinking about what you've been saying and it's just, um, probably thinking about the moral situation in this country. I 
And it sort of seems that uh, we seem to be losing that moral stance, if you like, and even from probably non-Christians, which we, if we went back a number of years, they were probably more moral. And this, these days they don't seem to be. And it even comes down in, in the church as well. And I'm, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and, but I was, even, even, I was horrified for the fact is with speaking about the let's let's go to the same sex marriage or the same sex relationship stuff. Um, even with the um, the three churches that wanted to say yes to that in Perth, and there were three different denominations, and I was horrified by that. And I thought, where does their, their where's their moral stance? And not only that, where's where's their 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 moralism come in as, as far as what the scriptures say? Because I can understand where they're coming from, trying to be nice to these people who want to go their own way and and that, um, you know, and, and be loving. But Jesus also was um, loving as well, but he he didn't um, he didn't break uh, you know, he in other words when when the um, they uh, they had these you know, selling things in in the in the in the synagogue and he he threw them out because of that is you know because yep. of what they were doing was actually wrong so his stance was there still. Philip, you're raising some good points there and just illustrating how important it is for Christian believers to have a literacy about what the Bible teaches because it does appear, as you're indicating, that even some churches have forgotten where the foundations of the good things in society have come from. Babette, your thoughts for Philip in WA? Um, I think he's articulated, Philip's articulated a problem. I think the churches have been a bit subdued because many of them are bedeviled by the scandals in their own past from their own uh, uh, priests and pastors. And I think that has made them a bit subdued. But what I want to uh, highlight is that the con- connection between good morality and the economic uh, prosperity of a nation. You know, at the moment, uh, Australia, as well as the United States and most Western countries are hopelessly in debt. You know, we owe trillions of dollars to the next generation. And this is caused by, uh, to a large extent, by the breakdown of the family. If we didn't have a breakdown of marriage uh, and a lot of um, families, uh, women and children on welfare, we would be much more able to balance our budgets. And it uh, it frustrates me when many conservative think tanks like the Institute of Public Affairs, for example, uh, is very good on economic issues and free trade and um, uh, items like that, but it doesn't deal with the moral issues, but, and it doesn't seem to realize that the moral issues, uh, morality has a direct bearing on the economic state of a nation. If you had stable marriages throughout Australia, the, our welfare bill would be much lower or non-existent. Um, it would only be there for the people who are seriously ill or uh, physically or mentally handicapped. Um, and this doesn't seem to uh, penetrate our econo- the, the minds of our economic think tanks. And uh, so I see a direct connection between morality and the uh, billions of debt that uh, Australia and other Western countries uh, are in, you know, to future generations. Thank you so much to Philip in WA for your insights. You can be part of our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Let's hear from Liz in Jacobswell in Queensland. Hello, Liz. Welcome along. 
Hello, how are you this morning? Very well, Liz. What are your thoughts on our conversation? Uh, originally, when I when I was, I've been listening as I've been waiting, and I wanted to say, why is this plague around that people can't discuss things rationally? There's these topics that that are just growing in number that seem to be off the table altogether. We can't talk about that because that's emotive, or we can't talk about it because. It, uh, it'll it'll hurt someone's feelings to discuss it. Or you know, I, I'm finding it very frustrating. And I was listening to the next gentleman talk about um, issues even in church. We can't discuss it. We can't bring it up. Or they just don't want to touch it because it's a hot potato. I think it comes down to really we seem to be losing the ability to have calm, sensible discussion. But, you know, people are allowed to get heated and discuss it, but we don't turn off to them. We don't switch off to them. We stay open to them. And I think it would be very valid to explain to some people uh, what that means by um, marriage breakdown costing the country a lot of money because I've tried to explain that to a few people and they can't quite get the correlation between, you know, the simple thing of two family, like a family split in two now needing two homes that cost money. Um, and I've I've had two marriages, and they both broke down because of an unwillingness, and I don't mean to be rude to my ex-husbands, but an unwillingness on the male part to discuss any issues we were having. Mm. Well, so uh, let's let's talk about uh, some of those things that you're raising, Liz. Uh, Babette, uh, your thoughts for Liz? Neil, I wasn't able to hear her very clearly. Could you just repeat the gist of what she said? What was her main point? Uh, Liz, going back to the early part of your point, uh, you were talking about, uh, well, we, you started talking about marriage breakdown uh, and the economic cost of that and having gone through, I think you said two marriages yourself, sounds like the fast track to poverty uh, by going through those marriage breakdowns. Uh, your initial point, Liz, just uh, remind us of the initial point that you were making. The initial point is, there seems to be a whole lot more people now that are unable to discuss topics. Uh, that's right. That's uh, the way the way that people cannot discuss topics openly. People are not listening, and there's always someone who is offended by something very simple. It's the idea of offence here, Babette. Well, I think the idea of offence is. Um uh, to use a pun, snowballing out of control. You know, you now have university students who are allegedly um, in good physical and mental health and uh, are among the elite uh, as far as IQ is concerned of the community, and they're getting offended by uh, political right-wing conservative political statements. You know, we call them snowflakes. You know, they melt at the slightest hint of conservatism. Uh, so I think it's becoming quite ridiculous how there are many topics we can't discuss because somebody will get um, offended or we've got to have trigger warnings or say what they call safe spaces. And this is in universities, you know, which is supposed to be a, a forum for open discussion, for controversy, for for debate. You know, how ridiculous can you get? And we're, uh, many of these people are on uh, free or assisted um, uh, university allowances, you know, which they are expected to pay back, but possibly never will. I think this is quite absurd. And universities are becoming more and more restricted on what you can say. You know, it, 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 once upon a time, it was just restricted to you couldn't uh, let's say, let's 
support uh, apartheid in South Africa, for example, you know, which I think was fair enough. But now there's a whole range of issues that you can't discuss because somebody is going to melt like a snowflake. Babette, let's take a call. Graham is on the line from South Australia. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Thanks for waiting patiently. Uh, good morning, Alan Babette. Yeah, just a number of things I just wanted to share. Um, I really feel at, at the moment our whole society and the fabric of our society is caught up in a Barabbas, what I call a, a Barabbas syndrome, uh, and, and that is that uh, what was seen to be right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right. Um, and it's just all, all upside down. Uh, when I was um, a very young lad um, and very naive, I bought one of my first cars, and when I went to sign the contract, it was fairly late in the afternoon. They said, look, we're going to be closing soon. Just sign the contract and we'll fill in the rest for you. And like I said, being very naive, I did that. And I think Australia as a whole is very naive in that that's exactly what they've done with this um, uh, marriage thing. They've basically signed the contract. They never read the fine detail. They never saw the fine detail. Nobody ever passed it on to them, so they don't even know what they're voting for, in effect. That's a very powerful and important point you're making there, Graham. Uh, Let's get a thought or two from Babette Francis. Babette, could you hear Graham clearly? Uh, not very clearly. I gather he signed some contract and then uh, he didn't uh, read the fine print. Was the that? essence of what Graham is saying is that uh, it seems to be uh, the what was wrong is now right and what what was right is now wrong. Uh, morality's taken a backflip, and as he says, uh, as he reflects on a story of uh, signing a contract that the car dealer said, uh, "Leave it with me. Trust me. I'll uh, I'll do the right thing by you." It's the same sort of thing that's happened with the same-sex marriage legislation. <laughs> Uh, we've given the government a blank check and said, don't worry, we'll let you look after our freedoms. Uh, but uh, that doesn't appear to be the case at this point. What are your thoughts for... Uh, my uh, initial thought is that it's rather an insult to car dealers to uh, compare them to politicians. You know? <laughs> OK, you might agree with that too, Graham. They're far superior on a moral scale. But I agree with him. Um, it was quite outrageous that uh, Dean Smith's um, bill on same-sex marriage went through virtually unamended, I think. Um, and, um, uh, if, and, and since then, since the legislation was passed, both Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten have been making soothing noises and saying, oh, your religious freedoms will be protected. Well, if they were going to be protected, they could have been protected in the initial bill. Why do we have to have another inquiry under Philip Ruddock to protect our religious freedoms? It was quite clear what religious freedoms we wanted in, the, uh, in James Patterson's amendments, you know, and those were just rejected. Uh, out of hand. I think most of the coalition probably voted for them, but not none of the others. So that was just complete hypocrisy. And what was hypocrisy and just plain lying was when um, this bill was proposed, they said, oh, it's all about love. You know, it's got nothing to do with safe schools or uh, religious freedom or something. It's just about two people who love each other and want to get married. Well, it's perfectly clear when those amendments were rejected that it wasn't just about love and two people wanting to get married. It was a denial of the religious freedom of all those who um, cannot accept the morality of um, homosexual marriage.
Okay, well, thank you so much to Graham in South Australia for your input today. And I think we'll take one little note out of what you were saying there, Babette. Be careful of politicians who are making soothing noises. I think <laughs> I think that was one of the things you said. Let's take another call. Let's hear from Daniel in Toowoomba. Hello, Daniel. Welcome along. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Daniel, um, what are your thoughts? Well, to me, it seems a lot like the Old Testament days where Baal became the, the norm. Um, I think there was a time probably in the Old Testament where everyone had the rules in front of them, and the people of the communities decided we can do whatever we'd like. We don't care. And I think deep in everybody's Christian faith, there is what's right and what's wrong. And I think what we're seeing today is um, probably more of a, it's not what it's right or wrong in God's eyes, but what will continue to keep the people happy. And I guess the way I see it is most of the people in the churches today have to keep the the, the public view um, appeased, and they have to keep the pews in the church full. And if you're community-minded, um, it's a very tough call for some, but I guess in my personal belief is I would rather be in a church full of people who are believers than those who are appeasing the public demand. And, okay. Um, Daniel, good thoughts in there. Uh, could you hear Daniel clearly, Babette? Uh, not very clearly. Could you give me the gist of what he said? Okay. Uh, well, Daniel is saying that it's a little bit like Old Testament days where people began to worship the Baals because they'd decided that the rules that God had given to them were not really worthy of following any longer, so they wanted to do their own thing. That led them into all sorts of worship of foreign gods. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a certain alignment there with what might be happening today. Oh, absolutely. I'd, uh, I'd also like to go back to the point, the, the uh, issue of the morality of politicians. Uh, your previous scholar referred to, you know, car dealers, but really car dealers have a higher level of morality than politicians, or at least they're constrained by the law. If you're not happy with your car, you, I think you have 24 hours or something where you can re uh, return, the, return the car. I wish we could do that to some of our politicians. Wouldn't it be great, you know, uh, that, uh, if you elected them on, say, uh, January the 1st and you weren't happy with them on January the 2nd or January the 5th, you could send them back. Wouldn't that be terrific? <laughs> like, well, we've like got to wait three or four years. <laughs> we've got to wait three or four years, depending on whether you're talking federal or uh, or state parliaments these days. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, That's far too long. We should be able to send them back within a week, like you can send back a, a, a defective car or a defective washing machine. <laughs> uh, Daniel was making that very good point about when people decide they can do their own thing uh, apart from uh, knowing God's law. Uh, there's an important aspect in here because a lot of our morality comes from our understanding of biblical law. This is where Australian morality uh, and even our laws as they've been developed over the last 230 years have come from, from a biblical foundation of that law. But people now are discounting that biblical uh, notion of authority and moving away from that and therefore doing their own thing. But that, of course, has consequences. It has ramifications, Babette. Uh, absolutely. And I think even the biblical um, injunctions were in a way developed from the the sort of common sense of the, the tribes and the peoples of that time, because they realized that if you're immoral, uh, in, on, on a, certainly on a large scale, it would destroy the tribe. You know, you, you had to to, to preserve the um, economic and um, health and cohesion of the tribe, a certain level of morality almost had to be imposed. And 
because um, that sort of those sort of constraints have gone or are broken down now, that's why we find nations hopelessly in debt, a large proportion of people on welfare paying no tax at all, and uh, a great deal of um, um, uh, illness in not only uh, sexually transmitted diseases but also mental health, um, mental health problems, psychological problems, and suicide. It's it's, it's awful that in a, a, a relatively well-off country, a safe country like Australia, there are so many young people committing young, healthy, physically healthy people committing suicide. That's a national tragedy, an absolute disgrace. And linked to many of the things we're talking about today, no doubt. Thank you so much to Daniel in Toowoomba for your insight today on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a little bit of pause in taking calls for a few moments because this issue of multiculturalism, this is going to be huge next year, Babette. Uh, you've got some more thoughts on multiculturalism and uh, what we started to talk about in the segment before the news uh, was this idea and uh, Dick Smith was talking about it. He was saying you've got to halt the levels of multicultural uh, immigration coming to Australia and of course uh, everybody acknowledges there's plenty of room in Australia but the mix changes, the way that the cultural mix alters, in fact, can determine how things will look, uh, what the ramifications, what the consequences of that might look like. Your unique background, uh, Babette, gives you some tremendous insights into how this whole multicultural issue can unfold. What are your more, uh, further uh, thoughts absolutely. on that? Absolutely. I, I, I would give preference in our immigration to Christians and Jews. Um, in, in India, it, it, uh, sati, of course, was a horrible criminal procedure and everyone would reject it. But India is still suffering from the legacy of the caste system uh, where people were divided into a hierarchy of castes with the Brahmins at the top of the le- top level and at the bottom the untouchables who did, uh, you know, the dirty work of um, cleaning up sewer- sewerage and so on. And that still persists in India to some extent. It's illegal, of course. The government, to its credit, is a secular government and has, has outlawed the caste system and also the dowry system where uh, women were so undervalued that to get them um, married, you had to pay the prospective bridegroom as a dowry to take her off your hands, as it were. Now, to do its credit, the Indian government has outlawed both these practices, but there still persists in a cultural way, and it's very hard to eradicate. And similar with Islam, there are a whole lot of practices which um, Muslims say are not part of Islam, but anyway are uh, culturally uh, practiced among Muslims, and things like uh, female genital mutilation, polygamy, early child marriage, um, arranged marriages. You know, these are all multicultural practices, and whether they are or have on, not uh, directly to do with Islam or Hinduism or whatever. They're multiculturalism and they should be opposed. And that is why I think the only culture we should celebrate and promote in Australia is the Judeo-Christian culture as reflected in our Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Uh, well, there is a apparent move away from the acceptance and idealising of that Judeo-Christian culture because let me get your thoughts here, Babette, given your Indian heritage and here you are in Australia and you hold some influential positions, what happens when those new uh, migrants arrive in Australia, uh, and we've seen this in so many different settings, the formation of enclaves, and then the population grows to a point where the size of that 
population or that uh, that minority group, that multicultural group, then has capacity to uh, to force uh, even political change. And I know that the obvious thought is that Sharia law will be on the agenda before too long. But what are your thoughts about the formation I, of enclaves in, in entire I suburbs? Deep, I am deeply concerned about that. You can see the evidence in uh, in Germany, in Europe, and in Sweden in particular, with the influx of Muslim um, immigrants, uh, so-called refugees. And you don't have to wait for Sharia law. It's on uh, simple uh, issues like... Uh, the Muslim immigrants from uh, Islamic countries and uh, Africa assume that any woman who is walking in the street, uh, say in a short sleeve T-shirt and, and shorts, uh, is uh, you know inviting um, sexual relationships or rape. Uh, this is absurd. The incidence of rape is extremely high in Sweden now because the Swedens are a uh, fun-loving people, and in their brief summers, they, the women go around with, um, you know, uh, what would be regarded by Muslim men as revealing clothes, and they they think the Muslim men think they're uh, available for sexual relationships or rape if they're reluctant to uh, <laughs> to engage in sexual relationships, and, uh, and this is happening in in Germany. Women are. Uh, told there are certain areas they shouldn't go or they shouldn't go alone. And I think this is awful to what was a, a free and healthy society. All these constra- social constraints being imposed on the population because of the large influx of uh, so-called Muslim refugees, um, a large number of whom are not refugees but are economic migrants, and some of whom are actually criminals and jihadists and members of uh, violent um, uh, Islamist groups. And, Babette, we might say, and it is an obvious question, uh, why does that happen in some countries and not in others? Uh, will be, why doesn't it happen in Christian uh, uh, pr- predominance uh, countries? Because, because in this marriage context that we talk about as being a biblical Christian marriage, men are taught to love and respect their wives, even to the point of laying down their lives for them. And this whole idea of uh, keeping this self-control sexually, even to your thought life, uh, this becomes a prominent teaching within a Christian culture. Uh, But if we move away from that, what you're saying is we ought to expect that there'll be a whole lot of change as multiculturalism takes hold, because those same values won't be taught to boys and young men in an Australian culture. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the Christian uh, ideal is that sexual relationships are reserved for for marriage, and it's interesting that uh, Jesus's first miracle was performed at a, a wedding. You know, the wedding feast at Cana, where he uh, turned water into the best wine. Um, so there is a special status of marriage. Um, a marriage has a special status in, in Christian uh, Christian ethics. And but in uh, programs which are taught to school children, like safe schools, they're taught to experiment with um, sexual practices. Uh, this is while they're still in secondary school, and then it's not firmly taught to them that sexual relationships are reserved for after you are married. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We've been talking about big, important issues that appear to have become obscured by a lot of internal government controversies and the media with its own agenda. 
a politically correct agenda. Politicians seem to be the ones who are governed most by political correctness. Uh, Babette, let me ask you, uh, Babette Francis, our guest from Endeavour Forum, Babette, you've got a team that works with you. Uh, that sends regular mailings to people who are subscribers uh, to uh, to keep them up to date with a whole lot of uh, issues similar to what we've talked about today. Uh, what will people find when they go to the Endeavour Forum website, endeavourforum.org.au? Well, we have two um, services. We have a, a newsletter, a quarterly newsletter, which has uh, major articles on pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage, and issues are also on Islam. We publish the articles of William Kilpatrick, who is a Christian and is a good analyst of the problems relating to Islam. We also have an email news service, a complimentary email news service, which comes out several times a week, which is um, uh, very topical. It deals with with current issues, and uh, you can get that if you provide us your email address. For our quarterly newsletter, we need your postal address. So just go to our website, www.endeavorforum.org.au, and you'll find out how to communicate with us and get onto our mailing list for our quarterly newsletter and also for our complimentary email news service. And I'll mention that website address in just a moment. Just to to tie loose ends together here, uh, there's lots of issues that we have talked about over this past hour and only scratched the surface on most of them. Uh, there'll be lots of conversations for the new year that we can maybe uh, set some time for. But let me come back to uh, just something I mentioned a moment ago, the idea that politicians are actually the ones who are most governed by political correctness. Uh, it seems to be that there are people who you can talk to at the water cooler at work who are happy to sort of share their opinion about things, but it's politicians who won't speak up for things that are obvious and need to be changed. What are your thoughts on politicians and how they're governed by political correctness, Babette? Uh, Yes, I was very concerned during the debate on uh, the same-sex marriage legislation that the uh, conservative pro-marriage members, even in the government and the cabinet, like Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton, and others who were uh, opposed to same-sex marriage didn't speak up clearly enough and give heart to the people. Uh, the, the, the no voters really felt abandoned, that there was nobody in the government or the opposition speaking up for them, uh, even though those, those um, cabinet uh, members were clearly opposed to same-sex marriage, but they were not vocal enough. It would be wonderful if one of them had presented a defense of marriage like, uh, well, Tony Abbott did. He was about the only one who did. And that was very disappointing. We felt the no side had been uh, had been let down. But uh, the final thought I'd like to leave your listeners with is that good morals are good economics. So if you have a stable marriage, you're much less likely to fall into the tra- poverty trap. Well, Babette Francis, just great getting your insights, as it always is. Uh, Babette, a founding member of Endeavour Forum. I'll give you that website if you want to subscribe to some of those mailings, keep up to date with some of the very ticklish issues uh, that will be dealt with. 2018, it'll be a huge year. There'll be lots of ticklish, uncomfortable issues that will be around endeavourforum.org.au. That's the website for Endeavour Forum, endeavourforum.org.au. Babette Francis, thank you so much for taking time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.